All right, good morning, everybody. Wave at us. Good to see you guys. Hopefully you had enough coffee this morning uh, to handle both Bethany and I up here together. We are in a series called Little Big Things, and we're talking about some of the things that might seem small to us that are a big deal to God, some of the things that might seem a bit inconsequential or not have a tremendous amount to do with our spiritual life or our life as a disciple of Christ, but that have a big, that actually do play a big part and are a big deal. And one of those things that Jesus talks about a lot is money. And with money, as we talked about last week, it really comes down to that it's, an, it's, a, it's a thing about discipleship and it's a thing about worship in our lives, how we use it, how we view it, how we steward it, how we spend it, save it, manage it, all of those kind of things. It impacts our relationship with God and other people. As we jump in today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and just review just a tiny bit from last week before we jump in today. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Down in verse 24, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so as we talked about last week, there are two really powerful principles that are foundational to our understanding of finances and resources, and specifically as it relates to being an an issue of worship and discipleship, and really the allegiance of our heart. And the first one is this, that... Treasure does not follow heart. Heart follows treasure. Jesus says where you put your treasure is where your heart goes. That as human beings, when we invest our treasure, more specifically our money, into something, a little piece of our heart goes that direction. There's an invisible tether that goes to that thing. And so our heart follows our treasure. Bethany and I both, early on in our marriage, we said we want our heart to be in the house of God and the kingdom of God and the things of God. Therefore, we need to be investors in heaven incorporated, right? Into the kingdom of God. We need to make sure that the first and the, the, the preeminent uh, place of finances in our life is going into the house of God because that's where we want our heart to be. And that's what we've done throughout our life. And I can tell you that our heart is in the church. Our heart is in God's kingdom because our treasure has gone there. The second principle that we saw here and what Jesus said is that you can't serve both God and money. It's one or the other. You can't be a Husky fan and a Duck fan. Come on. To put it in language we understand. How many of you know, praise God, that's right, amen. Some of you are like, I just root for the Pac-12. Come on, grow up. Pick a team and serve that team. Follow that team. You can't, what's that? Wow, yeah. You can't serve both God and money. You have to decide who is actually numero uno. Can I get an amen? amen? And what it boils down to, again, is that money is a worship issue. Now, As we talk about this today, what Bethany and I are going to do is we're going to walk through some mindsets about money and talk about how some of these things might have come from our childhood and all that. So I'm going to pass it over to Bethany. She's going to get us going. Yeah, so we're going to talk about um, money mindsets. So, so fun to think about how you think. It's like an inception kind of thing. But that's what we're really going to be asking everybody to do today is think about how you think about money. When we talk about money mindsets, we all view money in some way. And pretty much guaranteed, you view it differently than the person sitting next to you. 
Even if you've been, even if the person sitting next to you is someone you're married to, you still might think differently about money. How many of you guys have ever been married and realized you might think differently about money once you got married, right? Um, the first time Jake and I went grocery shopping after we'd gotten married, it was the first time we'd been grocery shopping together, and I think it might have been the first time he'd ever been grocery shopping in his life. <laughs> but we had this really like collision, not, you know, not conflict. It wasn't, we weren't arguing, but wow, we were really different about what we were going to buy at the grocery store, really different about what we were going to eat, really thought differently about what was good, what tasted good. All of his thoughts were very wrong, but it's the same way. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with like sushi from Safeway and Cap'n Crunch and Top Ramen. I don't know what's wrong with that. He did buy sushi that day from the grocery store. It, and it wasn't Safeway. It was a worse grocery store. And he, he ate it. And then he goes, my stomach hurts. And I said, I can't imagine why. Um, but in the same way, we have, we have ways that we think about money. And these things come from um, our family, the family that we were raised in, the country we, we were raised in, the state we were raised in, the city that we were raised in. This comes from the, the schools that we attended. If you have gone to church since you were young, it came. those also come from the church that you grew up in. All of these things, they change how we think about money. They form how we think about money. So it's really important for every single one of us to think about how do I think about money? And then is this how God thinks about money? This is one of the reasons why we read our Bible every day is because when we read the Bible every day, even if it's just a little bit of the Bible, what we're doing is we're saying, this is how God thinks. I already know how I think, usually bad, right? For me, usually bad. So when I read my Bible every day, I'm going, okay, God, I wanna think more like you. And so that's one of the reasons that we do that. And that's so important when it comes to our money. So what we've done is we've created six characters about money, all right? Now, don't be offended. If you're gonna be offended here, there are much better reasons, but don't be offended about the characters. We're, we are gonna make it light. We did wanna make these characters funny, but we're not making fun of anyone, okay? And all of these characters, they're gonna be a blend of a lot of different ideas, a lot of different things. And the point is, is that as we go through them, you might see one thing, oh yeah, I do think that way. Oh yeah, that's not the way that I'm supposed to think. Right? So we're all going to see, and trust me, I'm going to see myself in these characters. We're going to see a lot of Jake in these characters, right? We're, so you don't, you don't have to feel like they called me out, how they get my picture, nobody's picture, don't worry. Um, but, but, look, but with the open heart, look at these characters and just, we're going to ask God, God, is, is this the way that I think about money and how can I think more like you? So here is our first character. His name is Poverty Pete. Poverty Pete right here. Poverty Pete, this really represents um, a person who is always behind. Maybe in your life you've always felt behind. Money has always been a struggle. It's something that you've never really quite figured out. It seems like you're always, you know, at the end of the month, there's never quite enough. So you're always scrambling. You're trying to figure it out. And, but the mindset that comes in is that everyone else has it easier than you. Everyone else around you, it's easy for them to make money, but I can't make money. It's easier for everybody else. Or maybe you see other people who are successful and you think, well, it's because they're cheating, right? They're, they're doing something wrong. That's why they have money. Or they're just lucky. Those people are just lucky. They get everything. I always get 
nothing, that sort of thing. That's where this um, character comes from. It looks like you want to say something. No, no, go ahead. No, you want to say something? I just, I'm always ready. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I like what you were saying, too. I think poverty, Pete, what, everything that Bethany said is so true. You know, this is about having a broke mindset. You can be poverty, Pete, and actually have money in the bank account. But when you live in fear and, you, and you're at this place of brokenness, and it's where you would go out of your way to save rather than to embrace what God's called you to do in abundance, right? So it's that scarcity mindset. And I think fundamentally, poverty, Pete, is operating in a lack of trust in God and in God's goodness specifically. And we're going to talk about this as we move forward about God being our source. But this sort of broke mindset is where you just like legitimately can never see yourself successful and you self-sabotage. Uh, you, you keep yourself in this place of constant kind of loss and suffering. And as we talk about this later, you actually can even end up embracing this identity and thinking of it as good. So that's this mindset, though, I think fundamentally is you don't see that God is the master of the universe, that he created all things, that you, you, your own thinking and, and scarcity mindset is so limiting upon you that you can't even embrace God for who God is. Yeah, so moving on to these money mindsets. And then, hey, you don't have to raise your hand if this is you, right? Like, I've been poverty, Pete. I come out of a family, historically, at least on one side of my family. Uh, really, our family's bipolar. One side is the, this one we're going to talk about. The other side is poverty, Pete. But I, I come out of a family where being broke was sort of a badge of honor. And, and it was like any time, uh, try to be careful so I don't say things that are hurtful to family members and things, but uh, some of my my historic relatives uh, that have gone before me, they would almost cheer on scamming somebody, not actually working hard and coming up with a good idea and prospering because of God's blessing, but it would be like, well, I kind of scammed that guy. I got a really good deal and I bought his thing way cheaper than he should have sold it to me. And that was what was celebrated rather than I, I won because God is good and he's blessed me to be a success and be a blessing to others. Okay. So God wants to get us out of that mindset. The second mindset we want to talk about is Greedy Gus. Can we put Greedy Gus picture up there? Now, again, apologies. If you're like a, a dude that looks like this, good for you. I guess I, I don't really look like that guy, but it looks like Ryan Seacrest or something. But uh, we're not trying to pick on anybody, but Greedy Gus, this is the mindset of Greedy Gus. Get as much as you can, as fast as you can, no matter what. It's this all-out worship and pursuit of money. I mentioned this book that I had read recently where they said, if you want to be rich, then you need to make money the sole focus and, and sort of objective of your life. And I read that and I was like, well, I, I do want to prosper financially, but money is not my God. I serve the God of heaven and earth. Money serves God through my life. Money does not rule over me. I'm not making it the sole object of my attention, affection, and allegiance. And so the greedy gust mindset is putting money on a pedestal and just pursuing it at all costs. And this is something you've, we find in the world. You know, there's a lot of people that get caught into this, this trap of, of, you know, putting money on a pedestal. But listen to what the scripture says in Luke chapter 12, verse 21. Jesus says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Storing up earthly wealth isn't the sole problem. It's that at the expense of a rich relationship with God, okay? Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Okay, so it's wrong target. We make money master and not God master. 
Yeah, I think that Greedy Gus, we see this play out in like celebrities or around the world as we see people who seem like they have it all. You know, they have everything that we think, I, I would do so well if I had five mansions, you know? <laughs> I would take care of those so well. I would be so great if I had a private jet or whatever. But then they, we still see, you know, their life go into ruin. We see uh, celebrities who end up uh, committing suicide or we see families that just completely fall apart. And you think about, well, you have money. Like, why, why did it all fall apart? And you realize, like, oh, there's more to life than just the pursuit of money. There's more to life than um, just trying to be rich. But our third, our third character here is the saint. The saint. The saint is something that actually I, I think I grew up in, in, just in church. But this is this idea that money is evil. And the less money you have, the more righteous you really are. If, you know, the pursuit of money is the beginning of all evil, then all money then all money is evil, right? And so this idea that people who, who have money, they probably less holy. And people who have no money are very, very holy. And um, this probably comes from a little bit of Catholicism, this idea of um, taking a vow of poverty, choosing to be poor, uh, that sort of thing. Being poor makes you righteous. And um, the problem with this is that God doesn't think you're better if you're poor or you're rich. He doesn't really care if you have a lot of money or if you don't have a lot of money. I think that God loves people in third world countries just as much as he loves people in first world countries, right? And so we don't believe that, that God has a preference for um, the amount of money that you have or that you don't have. God cares about what you do with what you are given. And we see that in the parable of the talents where the, there's a parable that Jesus told. So it's a story. It's not true, but he's proving a lesson where the ruler gives a certain amount of talents to each person. And one of the people, they double it. Then the next person, they add to it. And then the last person, they just bury it. And they're the ones that are called a fool because he doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you made of it, but don't just bury what God has given you. Do something with it. I think to repudiate this this mindset of the saint and it's kind of like that vow of poverty thing that Bethany was talking about is the fact that if you actually follow biblical principles you prosper in life and this is one of those things where as Christians we have to be careful because we can end up rejecting something because it's been manipulated rather than embracing the good parts and and eating the fish and spitting out the bones so I think most of us that have been in church for a few minutes at least are familiar with this kind of idea of the prosperity gospel Prosperity gospel says, well, God just wants you to be rich, happy, have white teeth and a Cadillac, you know, whatever. And if you don't have that, you must be in sin or you must not have enough faith. And I think what Bethany's trying to point out is, no, that's not the case. Because actually you could have somebody in Cambodia who loves Jesus probably more than you or I do. And it isn't necessarily having the, the, the life of, you know, the rich and famous, lifestyles of the rich and famous. We don't see the finances as the primary thing of uh, that this is God's blessing or the absence is meaning God is not blessing you. But here's what happens. No matter where you start from, whether you are third world, second world, first world country or, or wherever, when you begin to apply biblical thinking and the wisdom principles that we see in the scripture, your lifestyle actually does get elevated because it, the Bible teaches you to do some things that are smart with money, like begin to save, begin to invest. Begin to put your money into the kingdom of God and let the law of sowing and reaping begin to work in your life. And so this idea that intrinsically less money equals righteousness is categorically false. The next, uh, the next one is this. We call it too blessed to be stressed. Let's move on to that one. Yeah, too blessed 
to be stressed. I'm just clueless about where this comes from. Yeah, this image. Too blessed. Man, those were just groaning. Yeah, jokes. Those were bad. Too blessed to be stressed. This is the attitude of, well, it's just money, right? It's just money. And this is where I think for Christians, we can fall into this trap where if you are prospering financially, or even if you're not necessarily prospering financially, that you're not operating within wisdom and really not thinking about the future and not treating money as a thing that needs to be stewarded in honor of God and as unto the glory of God. And, you know, this is where someone will, will begin to break out of the poverty peat mindset and they can kind of roll over to this opposite side. And as we begin to leave scarcity and we go, I'm trying to embrace being an abundant thinker and a generous person, but all of a sudden we start really living generously towards ourselves outside of the, the bounds of, let's, of things like a budget and how much money do I actually have and living within my means, right? And these types of things. And so this, this mindset of too blessed to be stressed uh, is really lacking wisdom and not following and honoring what God says about money and how we should use it in our lives. Nope, that's really good. It's, yeah, just living life to the fullest, not really thinking about <laughs> What, what, what you are doing. There's quite a few books in the Bible that are called the wisdom books. So God gave us wisdom. He gave us right thinking. And so the idea with this one is that we're supposed to use that wisdom, that we're supposed to use those things, apply them to our life. You know, God doesn't come and grab your, your credit card or your checkbook or your cash, however it is that you pay and say, no, no, don't do that, right? No, he gives us wisdom in the Bible and says, these are ways that shape how you think, how you use money, how you spend money. I thought of something else. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about the fact that if we viewed our money, and this is an accurate way to view it, as seed, and then we, we get to decide what field we plant that seed into. So we live in a very consumeristic society, and, and we don't necessarily see money in the same way people would have seen it in, in different types of societies. Um, but money is really truly an exchange of value, right? So we, we spend our time, we work, we actually give our lives we earn money or we give our expertise or whatever, we earn that money. And this is why it's an act of worship because when you trade your life for something and then that's the value that you now possess and now you take that value and you exchange it for something else, we need to think a little bit more seriously about when we spend $15, $25. Maybe for you, $5, $15 is like a nothing thought about money. Um, maybe for some of you, that's, that's like, no, I really do think about $15. But here's the issue, regardless of whether you feel like you have a lot or a little bit of money, if we view it as seed and we look at the fields that we're planting it, planting it into, then we say, am I honoring God with how I spend my money? Now, we don't want to be legalistic and get crazy about this. Like, you want to have a Netflix subscription? Have a Netflix subscription. This isn't like every single dollar that goes out, you have to like parse through and freak out about it. No, but, but the trajectory of your investment, the trajectory of your seed that's being sown, is it going into Christ-honoring, destiny-elevating types of things and moving you closer to Jesus and, and funding the kingdom of God? So that's, that's just the way that I would look at it. All right, number five, our next character is Debbie the Debtor. Debbie the Debtor. Um, this is the kind of person who... who is saying, hey, debt is a tool. Debt is a way, you know, you got to get in debt so you can build your credit. I remember we, uh, I had these like 
beautiful diamond earrings that Jake had bought me when we first got married. And um, I loved them. Well, then I met this girl who was in our internship and she was a little bit younger than me and she had these enormous diamond earrings. And I, whoa, are those real? And because now I know how much these little diamond earrings cost. So I'm shocked. Like, are those real diamond earrings? And she's like, yes, I bought them to build my credit, you know? And I'm thinking like, for you, that was a bad decision, right? But um, this, that's, this idea is that you're lacking wisdom about what debt really is, what debt really does. I was raised in a household where we were basically told to like fear credit cards, never get a credit card. Credit cards are terrible. They'll, you know, lead you down a road where you will die and there'll be fire at the end. And so there was a lot of fear about credit cards. And then when I became an adult, I was hearing an exact opposite message. The message I was hearing was use debt. You can leverage debt, you know, you can use it to do this and that and get make your way up to the next level or whatever. And so I kind of had these two very conflicting views about debt. But for most of us as Americans, is that's what we we are told is that debt is the way that we make it in life. Debt is the only way that you can purchase anything. Debt is the only way to get ahead. But the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower is slave to the lender. And this, is a, this isn't a... Um, this isn't like a curse. This isn't like a, a blessing or anything. This is just a statement of fact that the borrower, if you're borrowing money from someone, you're slave to that person. And I remember when Jake kind of has shared before, we were in a lot of debt. I would hear this verse and I would kind of understand it, but I didn't understand it really fully until we finally made it out of all of that credit card debt. I remember very well that last payment. We made it, we were done, and it was so incredible to feel like all of these strings had been cut. And I wouldn't know what that had felt like until we did it, right? I didn't realize how much pressure was really on our life. I mean, I had a clue, there's some pressure. You know, you do feel that pressure, but you, we didn't realize how much pressure until it was gone. And so this is something that the Bible just says, hey, just so you know, if you are going to borrow, if you are going to be in debt, you will feel, you will be a slave to that lender, right? And what it's saying is your money, it already has a place it's going to go. As soon as you get your check in the mail or however your direct deposit, already that money is going somewhere. And that's what that's saying is that you are slave to that lender. You're slave to what they want, to their interest rates, to what they say if all of a sudden you have to pay it all right now, whatever that is. Awesome. I know when we talk about debt, obviously Bethany and I are not, we're not giving a financial seminar of the highest order of how to use finances that we know how to. So you might be hearing this and go, well, I use debt. I'm in business and I use debt for leverage and expanding real estate or investments or so on and so forth. That's a different type of debt than we're talking about here. If you're talking about debt that is connected to assets and connected to advancement and calling, it's a different thing versus I want TV, I buy TV. Monkey see, monkey do. I want vacation, I do vacation. You know what I mean? That, what, that one? Yeah, we're, we're all about that. So here, here's the thing, though, is that, that debt... A lot of times, this type of consumer debt that we're talking about, it, it ends up in a backwards way or a, or a sort of underhanded way robbing you of destiny because God wants to position you in abundance where you can, out of what he has provided to you, live generously. But when you're in debt, you've borrowed from the future for today. And so you've sort of given up the right to walk in the destiny that God has for you. 
So yeah, both of us hear it from, from the horse's mouths. We are so grateful that God helped us to be delivered out of really what for two young people was a mountain of debt. Praise God. And it, and it really is true that there's so much freedom. All right, the last negative mindset that we're going to talk about is our favorite, uh, just because of the picture and how funny it is. But it's Uncle Scrooge. Uh, and we picked uh, Scrooge Mc... Uncle Scrooge! Bethany does it so good. Uh, of course, this is Scrooge McDuck. There's obviously the famous and most eloquent Michael Caine uh, depiction of Uncle Scrooge in, or Mr. Scrooge, yeah, in, uh, in uh, A Christmas, is it A Christmas Carol? Yeah, wonderful. But Uncle Scrooge is this classic character who has a lot of money, but is still living in this scarcity, fear-based, stingy, negative, and critical mindset of money. They're stingy and, and sort of based on how much can I get, how much can I hold on to. And like you see in the cartoon, how many of you actually seen DuckTales and seen Uncle Scrooge and when he swims in his money? I know for a generation that was, for me, it was like literally the epitome of life goals right there. And then I realized if you actually dove into a pile of gold coins, you wouldn't be swimming, you'd be going to the hospital. Uh, and they'd have enough money to pay for it though, you know. But uh, this Uncle Scrooge mindset um, is this sort of stingy thing. And it's not just kind of greedy, but it's also really critical of how other people use their money. It's kind of like looking around and judging. Maybe you've, you've kind of worked your way out of poverty, Pete, maybe done a little bit better in life. But then you look over and you're like, how dare that person have that car? How, how can that person afford to have that house or whatever? And you're not thinking like God. You're, you're, you're playing in a zero-sum game. So let me just explain something about God. Did you know he created everything out of words? Just think about that for a second. He didn't go to a bank and borrow resources to create reality. He didn't go. He just created it out of words, which means what? He could do it anytime he needs to. He is an infinite supply. You serve an infinite God. We always say God is eternal. That's true, but it's only half true. Eternal means something that started and goes forever. Infinite means he never had a beginning. God is not just eternal, he's infinite. So what are his resources? Infinite. If, if you need something to be able to do the destiny that God's called you to do, what are God's resources? Infinite. So when you begin to embrace this, this type of thinking, it leads you into abundance. Uncle Scrooge doesn't live in abundance. He might have what appears to be an abundance of money, but it's never enough, right? It's always the fear of it being drawn down in that type of a thing and making decisions based on scarcity and making decisions based on stinginess and negativity versus believing in an infinite God that can provide for you. When you realize God is infinite, it transforms. Am I saying, oh, you're going to get a gold teeth and you're going to have a Cadillac? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when God calls you to do something, you can trust and believe that he'll provide for you to do it. Where there is supernatural vision, there is supernatural provision. Do you guys understand? Bethany and I planted Joy Church and Kyle and Judah and a few of us we took our life savings, which was very little. <laughs> it was a short life. <laughs> and we said, God is calling us to plant this church. We, 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 we were renting a house and we started a church in a rented house. Like we didn't have a bunch of resources, but God was able to take what we brought to him, like the two loaves and the, and the fish, right? The, the, or five loaves and two fish or whatever, a couple of fish sandwiches the little boy brought to Jesus. And, and birth something. You might be thinking, well, God's called me to start a business and I don't have any money. Well, the word that needs to come after that is yet. 
because I serve an infinite God. And if he's called me to do something, I can do it. So we don't need to be Uncle Scrooge. Yeah, and I think with Uncle Scrooge, is it doesn't matter how much money you have. You could be poor and still have an Uncle Scrooge mindset. So we've seen, well, how not to think, right? But how do I think? How am I supposed to think? What kind of character am I supposed to have? We thought about putting someone's picture on here, but we didn't. So we have no picture. We have no picture for this one because it would be embarrassing. But we were thinking of people in the church to put up here. That kingdom first mindset, yeah. So we call this one a kingdom first mindset. And let's talk about three things that, 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 that this looks like. The first one of a kingdom first mindset is that this person truly sees God as their source. And I'm not going to over preach this because I just kind of talked about it a little bit in, in, in Uncle Scrooge. But it says in Psalms 34:10. I love this verse. It says, even strong young lions, come on, embrace that. Like, I want to be a strong young lion, right? Uh, I like strong. I like the word young. And I like the word lion. I like those three things together. Uh, but they sometimes go hungry. You ever seen National Geographic? Sometimes the wildebeest gets away, you know, sometimes they get away. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. In other words, God is my, my provider, not my strength, not my youth, and not my lionness, right? Not my ability to go out there and hunt. Uh, a person that is kingdom first in their mindset about money and resources and their treasure doesn't see their job as their source. They don't see the government as their source. They don't see their own wisdom, intelligence, capacity as their source. They don't see other people as their source. And because God is the source, of their finances. He's the source of their salvation. He's the source of their fulfillment in life. Then the presence or absence of money does not dictate the direction they go in life. This is a game changer, you guys. If we see God as our source, then we don't say, I can't. I say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in this room today, there are people that are at a, a particular level of resources, finances, and God wants to elevate you and take you to a higher level because the dream in your heart that came from God is larger than what you currently think you can do. And you might be right, but you're wrong because God, in God, you can do it. There is a business that you can start. There is a level of generosity and giving that you can reach. There is a level of prosperity that you are blessed to be a blessing because you see God as your source. That's good. The second thing a kingdom first mindset person would do is they walk in wisdom. I kind of mentioned this at the very beginning. This is one of the reasons we read our Bible every day. So we're getting wisdom. We're getting God's thoughts. We're washing, trying to wash away our own thoughts and take on God's thoughts. We need, if we know that God is our source, then we can walk in wisdom as we steward our finances. And we can use wisdom principles. And so you might be here and say, I don't know what I should do. I don't know how to have wisdom in money. This, you know, this is what I have. This is the brain that I've been given. This is the way that I was raised. I really encourage you get in a joy group where the joy group leaders are good with money, where they have God's wisdom. Begin to surround yourself with people that you can say, you have this that I'm missing in my life. Hey, you're good. As a businessman or woman, you're good at this. Or hey, I see that you are always faithful in tithing and I'm not faithful in tithing. 
Help me learn how to be faithful in this. Whatever it is where you look and you say, hey, I'm lacking in wisdom, surround yourself with people who have that peace that you need. That way you can learn from them. I love to learn from, uh, my hobby is gardening. So I love to learn from gardeners who know what they're doing. And I ask them questions. Why? Because I can learn from them. If I come in and I say, no, I grow the best thing there ever was right? Then I can't learn from someone. But if I come to someone and say, yeah, what do you do with this? How do you do that? Then I can learn from them. I can be humble and I can walk in wisdom and use wisdom in my life. Defeat debt, allow God to create abundance thinking. That's good. And the third uh, and final one on a kingdom first mindset with finances is that a kingdom first person, they put God first in their finances. The principle of the first is something we see throughout scripture and it and it's God should just be first in everything we do. You know, I think it gets overemphasized sometimes when it comes to money. You know, we talk about tithing is to take that first 10% and put that to the storehouse and, and give it to God. But but actually tithing is like this one of the smallest ones. I mean, really God wants to be first in your your day. He wants to be first in your time. He wants to be first in every pursuit of our life. God wants to be first in our marriage. He wants to be first in our parenting, first in our education. Are you catching the principle here? He just wants to be first and deserves to be first in everything. And so a kingdom uh, first or a kingdom oriented mindset about finances is just fully surrender to God in every area of life. You see, a lot of times the problem is not a money problem. It's a mindset problem downstream or upstream from money, which is we haven't fully decided to surrender our life to Christ. Let me just tell you, if you're here today and you fully surrendered your life to Christ, giving God the first of your money is like not a big deal. It's, it's just kind of great. The other day, Bethany uh, said to me, babe, you don't have to go with me tomorrow to this, uh, I don't know where we're going to go somewhere and do something. She goes, you don't have to go with me. And she was being sweet. And I said, no, I, I, I want to go with you. Like 16 years ago when I said, yes, I, I'm, I do, like I, I haven't changed my mind. I, I still want to hang out with you, you know. I want to be with you. When I think about putting God first in my money, that's just like not a big deal because I said yes to Jesus as a, you know, teenager. And I just want to say yes every day. And I'm still saying yes in my heart, in my time, in my affection, my allegiance, and finances fall into place. And so a kingdom first person is surrendered to God. And this looks like tithing and giving. Talked about that last week. If you want to understand why we as a church believe in tithing, our elders, we just had a conversation about this recently. We believe in this. It's not because we need or God needs or something like that. No, it's because this unlocks God's blessing and the right mentality for all of us as disciples to to live the life that God's called us to. We have a position paper on our website about tithing. You can check that out, joyeugene.com forward slash or backslash give. But really what this comes down to in putting God first in our finances is investing in heaven, storing up our treasures in heaven, uh, using our resources that that come from God and flow, come from him as our source that we're saying, God, if you get it to me, you can get it through me. If it comes to me, I'm going to let it flow through me and and I'm going to use my resources to extend God's kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus is talking about this concept. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
In life, we have a choice. We can choose to, to, to serve God or we can choose to serve money. If we choose to serve money, then we're always going to have to chase it, pursue it, worship it, and worry about it. If we choose to serve God, money now serves us and it serves God through us. Amen. And we're delivered from fear, anxiety, worry, the pursuit of money at all costs. And we're allowed to trust God to provide and to um, provide all the things that we need in our lives. Amen. This is what a kingdom first mindset looks like. This morning, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to get ready to end here today and move on with the day. But I'm, I'm believing and hoping that, uh, number one, God would have spoken something to you through these negative money mindsets and, and hopefully through what we talked about a kingdom first person looks like. A couple of things as we get ready to close is, number one, I would pray you don't feel any condemnation. The reality is you are where you are. I am where I am. And we're all on a journey of growing in these things. And if you feel shame or condemnation, that is not what Bethany and I are trying to do today. We're trying to equip and teach and provide wisdom and share God's word with you because we just believe God has more in store for each and every one of us. So whether you feel like you're way behind in this or whether you feel like you're ahead or wherever, we just want to take that next step with Jesus. So let's pray about that. Father, I just pray that today as we've talked about money and resources, that Lord, we'd hear the heart of what's been communicated, that this is a worship issue, it's a discipleship issue, and we want to follow you in every area of our life, and that happens to include our money, our finances, our resources. So we surrender that to you. I pray, God, that you would deliver us out of every negative mindset, that you would give us uh, freedom in this area, that you would give us the right uh, thoughts, the right actions to take, uh, to, to move out of scarcity into abundance and into who you've called us to be, what you've called us to do. And that, God, you'd give us that spirit of faith and generosity, that we'd be kingdom-first disciples in every area of our life, including with money. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us in Jesus' name. Go ahead and keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know, if you're here today and you're going, you know what, today's the day that I am making a decision to put my trust in Jesus Christ, then I would ask that you would just lift up your hand. You know, every week somebody comes to church and they know this is my day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, this is the day that I put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. The reality is we've talked about giving and giving money to, to God, but before you can ever give him anything, he gave us the most precious gift, which is Jesus Christ, who laid his life down for us at the cross. And we start our journey of following Jesus by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did for us at the cross. We add nothing to it. We simply receive it by faith. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jake, I want to put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hand so I can see? Just lift it up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. And please pray this prayer together. We're all going to pray it. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you and in you alone. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me right with God. I give you my life today in Jesus' name. Amen.